Having grown up with two type A worrywart parents, my tendency has always been to worry more than I need to. I am a planner by nature and I like to be organized. I like predictability and I also am a perfectionist. Many of these attitudes have relaxed and found some balance over the years, but nonetheless I have had my fair share of experience with anxiety and obsession. In college I suffered a minor injury while playing racquetball and because of its location on my chest, I later thought I was dying and having a heart attack when sharp pain started to stab at my left side. I eventually found out this was just my ribs being slightly out of joint, which is an easy fix at the local chiropractor. But by then I had already developed full-blown panic disorder with a few ER receipts as proof. This problem lasted for several years and I refused to take medication. I wanted to fight it and conquer it without drugs because I knew that drugs always led to other problems based on the horror stories I had seen even within my own friends. It wasn't easy and one day while having a panic attack I almost choked to death while eating. This conditioned me into an eating disorder for several years afterward because every time I would sit down to eat I would get anxious about choking to death again and couldn't swallow my food as a result. It got so bad that at some point my measly 30 minute lunch breaks at work were enough for just a bite or two, leading to frustration, fatigue, and more anxiety because of the low blood sugar. Fast forward now a few years and my anxiousness found a new outlet in the personal growth route race. Although the panic and eating disorder had pretty much calmed down, I now was obsessed with personal growth and trying to make money as a coach, a guru, an expert, whatever. Running like a hamster on a wheel trying to cater to all the strategies and ideas and systems and ways to do things that society yelled at me through the various superstars in the field, yet never really landing anywhere fulfilling or meaningful or peaceful. When the perfect storm of physical burnout and financial collapse finally hit my life in 2021 and I found Jesus, or rather he revealed himself to me, my life and anxiousness finally began to change. I'm still a work in progress today, but I can testify that the Apostle Paul's words in his letter to the Philippians are indeed very true. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4 verses 6 through 7. Today the idea of mental health is at the center of culture because probably more than ever our society is producing increasing rates of issues like anxiety, OCD, bipolar, depression, and everything else in between. The world's solution to these things are generally as follows, medication, self-esteem, meditation, personal growth, finding happiness, or escaping into non-duality. As someone who has ran the rat race in all of these practices one way or another and who today believes the Bible as the Word of God, I strongly feel there is a much better answer to mental health and that answer is Jesus Christ. With many waking up to the abuses of Big Pharma and the medical mafia as a whole, there is little that I need to say about the dangers of medication for mental health. Certainly there are cases where medication is needed, but most of the time doctors will prescribe antidepressants or SSRIs which are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, frivolously just to make their sales quotas and satisfy their contracts. 
This is a sad state of affairs for many reasons, not the least of which is that these drugs do nothing to solve the problem, but more often than not create nutrient deficiencies or complications in other areas. This has led many to explore alternative natural methods, like psychedelic mushrooms, instead of medication, and indeed the research is promising in this area. However, as with any substance, especially one that alters your reality, it's important to utilize discernment and discipline because it can turn into yet another snare otherwise. Whether medication is involved or not, the other approaches to mental health that I mentioned are often seen in someone's journey of regaining what they have lost. Unfortunately, these two offer a never-ending rat race. This is because mankind was not made to be fulfilled by things found in the world, but by he who created the world. Unfortunately, the world teaches you that you can either look within to fill this empty void, or you can look to the world in some way. And this is what leads to the rat race. In either case, most nobody in the mental health field will ever lead you back to the source of life, which is God. And that is why I believe a biblical approach to mental health is so valuable today. Self-esteem, personal growth, and the pursuit of happiness all have a fatal flaw in common because they are just rat races. The world's intense focus on self-esteem is actually a major problem because true liberty comes not in focusing on and amplifying ourselves, but rather in losing ourselves in the infinite and perfect in the arms of the Creator which made us. Today people are so obsessed with political correctness and not inflaming anyone's self-esteem that we have produced a generation of anxious narcissists who have no clue how to be happy or at peace because they need constant validation. The pursuit of happiness is also a house of cards because happiness as a core value of life is an illusion. This world is a world of change, suffering, and ultimately death. This is the morbid reality that the glitzy lights of social media and our cozy western world desperately try to hide. We die. Those we love die. The things that we love die. Everything dies. This is the Genesis curse, a curse that God put on the world because of Adam's disobedience so that we might learn we have eternal life through Christ because of his obedience in our place. It's all by design. The death inherent to this world is supposed to make us realize we are completely dependent on God and cry out for a savior. But according to the pursuit of happiness, you just need to keep chasing what makes you happy, whatever it is. The great problem here, in light of what I just said, should be obvious. In a world where things are fundamentally out of your control, it is impossible to be happy all the time. In fact, statistically speaking, you will be more unhappy than happy, which means this is at best poor advice. We need stronger advice on how to deal with life's many slings and arrows, and that advice comes from the Word of God. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. James 1, verse 2 through 4. The Bible's advice on how to deal with the inevitable evil and suffering of the world is to first and foremost trust in Christ, and then count it all as joy because it is what produces character and perfection in our ability to love God and love others. Scripture says that believers are conformed to the perfect image of Christ. 
And part of that process is that in this life, the trials we experience are designed to evoke things like patience, endurance, strength, compassion, generosity, courage, and many other virtues so that we can indeed be more like our Creator. Suffering is the rich foundation by which spiritual fruits grow, and therefore suffering according to the Bible is highly meaningful. But if you're told that you must be happy in order to be fulfilled, suffering is a nuisance, an obstacle, and a trap. Do you see the problem here? The Bible gives us the truth because it deals with reality plainly, and yet it also offers a hope that the world can never offer by framing suffering in its true light as a necessary and meaningful thing. And let's not forget that the scriptures promise that one day everyone who placed their faith in Christ's words will receive a perfect body with a perfect mind, renewed forever and incorruptible in a perfect world. This is the hope that Paul speaks of in Romans 8 verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed to us. Indeed, for the born-again Christian, the inherent uncertainty of the world is transformed into a source of peace because of our trust in God's perfect words and promises. The world can never offer you this kind of hope because the world changes and dies, unlike its Creator, who is unchanging and lives forever. Amen. Even the greatest days of our lives expire and then life settles in again. The purpose of life is not to chase happiness, but rather to chase God. God is our greatest source of joy, delight, hope, courage, strength, and life. When we are connected rightly to this source of life, then there is no more chasing to do, because life lived with God is lived one day at a time in a partnership through prayer, surrender, and endless discovery. It is a fountain that never runs out, and truly, Jesus said that he gives the water of life to anyone who genuinely asks. Personal growth is yet another attempt at healing the void in people's hearts, and today personal growth is a multi-billion dollar industry. Having authored several books, courses, countless pieces of online content, seminars, podcasts, and other similar things, I speak from experience when I say this. You do not need any personal growth. What you and I and everyone in the world needs is an authentic relationship with Jesus. Personal growth is a rat race, much like that of self-esteem or happiness. It never ends because there is always another level. And in truth, personal growth is actually its own works-based religion. The Bible says that the cross is foolishness to those who are dying. That's in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18. And it's true. We find the gospel, which is God's free gift of a relationship with Jesus and the pardoning of our sins, to be foolishness when we are of the world. Instead, we rather roll up our sleeves, take the world's advice, and get to work on ourselves, on our legacy, on others, on making a contribution, on letting go of our ego, undoing trauma, peeling back layers of the shadow, getting in tune with our inner child, and so many other things. The truth is that although some of these things have a benefit, the fundamental belief they are driven by will lead you nowhere. That belief is that mankind is inherently good inherently divine, and inherently capable of saving himself from his own problems. In stark contrast, the Bible says that the heart is desperately wicked, that's in Jeremiah 17 verse 9, that we cannot trust our own understanding, that's Proverbs 3 verses 5 through 6, 
that the God of this age, which is Satan, has blinded the minds of people, that's in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4, that even our good deeds are like filthy rags when they are not grounded in a relationship with God, that's Isaiah 64 verse 6, and that nobody seeks after God naturally, that's both in Romans 3 verse 10 and in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14. If we take the Bible's testimony as true, it changes everything because it flips what the world tells us on its head. If we are indeed incapable of saving ourselves and are doomed to die without a relationship to God, then we despair and cry out to Him for salvation. This is the beginning of repentance and faith and when one becomes, quote, born again into a relationship with Jesus. But as long as the world can keep you convinced that looking within yourself or trusting your own heart is the way to go, then you will keep running in circles never to arrive anywhere. Remember that the gospel is a free gift, whereas today people spend thousands upon thousands on personal growth and still have not found peace. This is because one is the work of God, which is perfect, while the other is the work of man, which is not. We must choose wisely, and we must choose life. Some final approaches to mental health that are growing in popularity today are meditation and non-duality. These practices have become so embedded in culture that they seem true and natural, yet their occult and pagan roots are something that deserves serious investigation. Yoga was designed to honor pagan gods and open the body up to communion with various spirits through certain poses. Long-term studies done on committed meditators show that those who consistently meditate for long periods of time actually end up having more negative thoughts and psychological issues than before they started meditation. All of these things are very well documented, and a good place to start is that of the popular ex-New Age author Stephen Bankars, who I will list in the resources to this talk. The truth is that God in his infinite genius gave us a mind to think and one to use. He gave us the ability to have emotions, to reflect, to be creative, to think analytically, to plan, to write music and dance, to hope, and so many other wonderful things. The Bible uses the word meditate very differently than the world, because to meditate in biblical terms means to actively and deeply ponder something, as in meditating on the Word of God and its implications on your life. This act of meditation, when we are putting our mind on God and on His ways or His works, is refreshing and rejuvenating. First and foremost, because we lose ourselves in the infinite, rather than trying to erase our minds, which is impossible, and become nothing. The fundamental premise of non-duality is that we are ultimately smarter than the Creator because we can determine how to use the operating system rather than following the instructions. Therefore, this can only lead to serious error. Imagine a genius creates a product for you and tells you how to use it very specifically, but then you decide to use it in your own way. Would you get the optimal results? Although meditation seems good because it gives the body rest, and certainly learning some relaxation techniques is important. The truth is that God structured time with one day out of the week dedicated to our rest, which is the seventh day or Saturday, and also invited all of those who were wary to come to him so that he could give them the ultimate rest. Come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
Matthew 11:28-30. This verse is one of my favorite verses in the Bible because it not only reminds me that God is the source of my peace and rest, but also that He is humble in heart, gentle and eager to teach us. What an inexpressible joy that we have a perfect being who desires to have a relationship with us, and yet how many throw it to the side as foolishness in favor of their own efforts. This is the world's wisdom, sadly. Mental health today is a serious issue, but as with every other problem in the world, it is all related to the same thing. Mankind has separated itself from God. This is the core issue, and when we can address it head on, that is when we will heal. Mental health issues can be caused by nutritional and toxicity issues, which relate to a cursed world, and they can be caused by demonic oppression, which reminds us that there is a true evil power at work in the world during this age. They can also be caused by the trauma inherent to growing up or dealing with the world outside of our control. In any case, the answer is always the same, Jesus. Jesus is the healer, the great physician, the one who created our feeble human hearts, and the only one who can hold them safely and fulfill them. Do not try to hold your own heart or to lead yourself to water. Instead, come and get the living water freely at the foot of the cross through faith because Christ is not only the answer to any mental health problem, but the answer to the greatest problem there is, which is death. In him we have eternal life and a blessed hope that gives us the peace beyond all understanding in this world. A peace that cannot be robbed because Christ has overcome the world and will return in glory to reward those who are faithful in this age. This is the beauty and wisdom of the Bible as it relates to mental health. As always, these things are nuanced and very complex. Yet, fundamentally, they also have very simple answers. A comprehensive approach will always be based on the individual, but without Jesus, any attempt at healing will be limited at best. We must remember that it profits man nothing to gain the whole world, but lose his soul. That's in Mark 8, verse 36. And that we must return to a relationship to God if we want life. Regardless of what struggles persist on this side of eternity, we have the unshakable peace that forever is a much, much longer time and that God will use everything in the meantime for the good.